No, it's it's good. I mean, I've enjoyed it. I enjoy it every year, and it's just a great time. It's you know the struggle for me is during the fast is just getting tuned in and getting focused. You know, I, if I'm not careful, I'll focus more on what I'm not eating, or the fast itself, or how my stomach feels, or the taste of fasting food. Okay, I'll get focused on that. I'm like, it's all right. It ain't gonna be much. <clears throat> ain't gonna do no, no damage to everybody's flood waters. They're still going down in the name of Jesus. Well, welcome back. This is our second week in awakening, our 21 days of fasting and prayer. And this morning, I want to talk to you about temptation. And the title of today's message is this: Temptation is an invitation. Say that with me. Say, temptation Temptation. is an invitation. invitation. Never thought of it that way, right? Of course, it's an invitation to sin. That's what temptation is, right? But if you look at it on the flip side, temptation is is an invitation to get closer to God. Right? We can can look at temptation as a a horrible, negative thing. And listen to me. I don't believe that. I'll take a survey. Is there anybody here who wants to be tempted this morning? I didn't think so. Just wanted to check. But temptation is not a negative thing. In fact, temptation is not even sin. Are you hearing me? Say that with me. Say, temptation Temptation. is not sin. It's not not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to fall into temptation. Come on. If you look at temptation as an invitation to get closer to God, then you see that, you know what? I'm going to be tempted for the rest of my life here on this earth. It would be nice if temptation would go away, right? I mean, seriously, it would be nice. You know, not tempted to go fishing anymore when I'm supposed to be at church. and Not tempted to get the 16-ounce ribeye versus the the 8-ounce. Do they even make an 8-ounce? I don't know. I don't think so. It's not possible. They don't make anything less than 12, right? It's a new area I need to explore. (laughs) But temptation is not sin. Temptation is an invitation to worship God. I hope you're taking notes this morning because this is some good stuff. We're giving you some good, some good meat, some good. This isn't just bone. This is meat this morning. Amen. Some of you going, man, I sure wish it was real meat. (laughs) Temptation is a opportunity for greater intimacy with God. Let me give you some pointers about temptation. I want to give you about six pointers this morning. Number one, temptation is not sin. It's not sin. Sometimes the enemy gets you to believe that when you're tempted, you've already fallen into sin. So you just soon go ahead and finish it out. Right. Listen, just because I go to the freezer and there's a a half gallon of bluebell homemade vanilla and there's a full thing of chocolate syrup in the refrigerator and I go and I grab it and I put it on the counter and I get the scooper in the bowl, that's temptation still. Right? It doesn't become sin until it touches my lips. Then go straight to your hips, you know what I'm saying? But the enemy wants me to believe that, well, you got it out. Man, you just, you know what's funny is he'll throw scripture at me. I don't know if he does this to you, but the devil constantly quoting scripture to me. You know, in the Bible, Jesus said, 
talking about adultery, he said, if you even look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart, right? So the enemy go, well, you already looked at the bluebell lustfully. You'd just soon dive in. Can I be honest with you? I've fallen for that. Pray for me. But he wants to get you to believe that when you're tempted, it's too late to turn around. You just assume go ahead on and do it. Right? For those with addictions, maybe it's cigarettes or alcohol or drugs or any type of thing like that. He wants you to believe, well, if you got it in the car, man. You know, it's sin. It's in the car. So you need to hurt. If you want to get out of sin, you need to hurt him. Smoke it all up. I used to believe that way when I had some dope in my car. I was like, oh, I got to get out of sin. <laughs> As hard as I could. But temptation is not sin. Temptation is an opportunity to draw closer to God. Amen? It's an opportunity to get to know God better. Do you realize if God never delivered you from temptation, you would never get to know that he's the deliverer? That didn't come out right, but you know what I mean. It's like a protein. In the meat form. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 4. I want to show you a side of Jesus maybe you didn't know before. Or if you did, I want to remind you of who he is. Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 15. It says this, For we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Say this with me. Jesus Jesus. has been tempted tempted. in every way way. known to man. You know the other thing the enemy tries to get you to believe about your temptation or your sin or your struggle or your weakness is that yours is greater than anybody else's. Right? Right? But you, you, you don't know my story. I can tell you how many times I've heard that. Pastor, you don't know my story. You don't know where I come from. And yet it's all different stories. But honestly, it's the same temptation. Not one is greater than the other. We've all journeyed down a road of life. I mean, if you're a second generation believer, hopefully you're enjoying the blessings of God. You may just struggle with pride and arrogance. Okay, if you're a first-generation believer like Cheryl and I, you might struggle with a lot of other things. But wherever you are, there's, there's no temptation greater than the other. Amen? You need to settle that in your mind. And the next time the enemy goes, yeah, but nobody's had it as hard as you have. Nobody had a daddy like yours. Nobody been through what you went through. You need to tell the devil where to go. Amen? Shoot fly. Don't bother me. We'll, be, we'll, be, we'll face temptation over and over and over again. Can I tell you, when I was a young believer, I was naive enough to believe that once I gave my life to Jesus, everything was going to be fine. Anybody else believe that way? I was thinking, man, the bird's always going to be singing. My weight's never going to go up. Come on. I'm going to be healthy till I die. Nobody will ever be mad at me. Right? Everybody's going to love me. Right? It's not the truth. 
truth is, is since I gave my life to Jesus, all hell's broken loose in my life. Amen? I kind of believe if somebody would have told me that from the get-go, I'd have never jumped in. Right? I'd be like, hold up, the devil's fine with me, I'm fine with him, he's staying where he's at, I'm going to stay where I'm at. I'm good, I'll wait till the deadline and then I'll give my life to Jesus and hopefully skip on into heaven. But temptation is not sin. Number two, second pointer in in resisting or, or dealing with temptation is you need to resist the devil. You need to resist the devil. Some people get so radical that they think they need to chase the devil. Right? I've seen so many believers go on a devil chasing excursion. Every time you talk, oh, the devil's trying to do this and the devil's trying to do that. Oh, the devil's always working. I'm like, man, you, you spend any time with Jesus? Are you spending all your time with the devil? Are you with me? The Bible clearly says just to resist. You know what resist means? Just to, uh uh-uh, Jack, you ain't coming. That's it. You ain't coming no further than that. It's just a resistance. It's taking a stand. If you're addicted to something, it's just saying, I'm not going there. Amen? You got a problem gossiping and you get around, you might be heading to a friend's house that has the same problem. You might say, well, let's not hang out tonight. That's resisting. Right? Seriously. You have a lust problem. I heard Jesse DePlanter say this, talking about men. He said, men, if you have a lust problem, just tell your wife. You won't have a lust problem anymore. You got a problem looking at women? Tell your wife. He's like, it's simple. You don't even know, need to go see the pastor. Just tell you, baby, I lust after other women. She will put a set of blinders on you. It's two swollen pieces of skin on both sides. <laughs> right? Put two knots on your eyes. Now look at a woman now, sucker. Bet you don't lust today. Resist the devil. James 4, 7 says this. He says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, watch this, and he will flee from you. I love that word, flee. It reminds me of the fleas you see on your dog, right? When you find a flea, what does that flea do? He takes off running, right? Because he don't want to get picked. He likes his new territory. I look at the enemy that way. When you just put up resistance, you don't have to chase him because he wants you to chase him. If you chase the devil, you get off a course with Jesus, right? But if you resist him, the Bible says that he flees from you. Man, that's, that's good news, amen? That's good news, whatever you're tempted at. When temptation comes, just no, I'm not going there. Get behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus. I've used that one for years. Just get behind me. Get away from me. I've cussed him. Like with cuss words. I'm serious. Talk about feel good. Probably shouldn't say that. But. And if you're going to cuss, you just soon cuss at the devil, right? Just pick him. Just resist him. Don't cuss. Galatians chapter 5. Watch what, watch what it says here. It says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That means that whoever has given their life to Jesus has given up their fleshly passions and desires for sin. Are you hearing me? 
When you gave your life to Jesus, you put your fleshly, sinful passions and desires on the cross and crucified them with Christ. Okay? Now, what happens is, is the enemy comes and he wants to try to stir that back up. He wants to remind you of what your passions were. Right? Listen, if you don't, if you don't pay attention to your thoughts, your thoughts will go back to your past. Right? Maybe some people that you did things with you shouldn't have done with. Maybe, been, maybe it might be things that you did that you should have never done. Things that maybe nobody else even knows about. And he'll take you on a journey. And before you know it, he's got you hoodwinked so bad that you're falling into that same sin again. Right? But the Bible says that when you gave your life to Jesus, those sinful passions and desires were crucified. So what, why do you need to know that? So the next time the devil comes and he wants to tempt you, you say, oh, no, bro, that's dead. Uh-uh, that's dead. Jesus died on the cross and crucified my sinful passions and desires. It's dead. I'm not falling for that. Sometimes you may need to look in the mirror and talk to yourself. Amen? I think we need to put a mirror next to the refrigerator. It's a good idea. Maybe on the refrigerator. No, I just, I just need a face. Face is enough full size that'd be both panels on the the refrigerator y'all stop laughing at me but if you believe that your your sinful passions and desires were crucified on the cross of christ and you're now free from all that then you need to live that way amen you don't have to fall for them them old dirty tricks anymore you don't have to go down that road anymore You know what's crazy is that most of us as believers, we live on this cycle. Right? You live on this cycle. And some of you live on a vicious cycle and some of you live on a less vicious cycle. But basically, it's a cycle. It kind of looks like this, okay? You, You initially start your walk with Jesus when you get a revelation of who Jesus is. Right? Jesus is my Savior. So you, you give your life to Jesus, and he starts cleaning you up and, and straightening you out. Jesus does. And so you start living a little better, and then you get comfortable, and you go, okay, well, I'm good. And then what happens? period of time goes by, and you start slipping. Right? And you start slipping, and you start falling, and you start heading back to where you were. And the whole time you go, this ain't right. And you come back, and, you, and you, when you've fallen, and you go, man, Jesus, I blew it. I blew it. I fell into temptation. I sinned. Full-blown sin. And then what do you do? You repent, right? Hopefully, you repent. And you say, Christ, I need you. I need more of you. So what does he do? He gives you a greater revelation of who he is. Right? So then you walk better. You see, the crazy thing is, is that after you confess your sins and Jesus cleanses you from your sins, you actually get better. Thank you. Just waiting for that. So then you, what happens? So then you go on another journey, right? And you come back around to the next revelation of Jesus. But you know what? Let's not go on that journey no more. Let's not keep going in circles. Let's not, let's not keep wandering around the desert. Let's say, okay, I want a revelation of Jesus, and I want to, tomorrow I'm going to give me another revelation of Jesus. I'm going to get a little closer, and I'm going to continue to get a little closer. Here comes temptation, and I'm not going to fall. I'm going to resist the devil, and I'm going to draw near to God. Because temptation is an invitation, so I want to get closer. How do you get off the cycle? You get closer. Amen? It's not complicated. It's simple. 
Number three, draw near to God. We took vacation this last summer and went up to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and and um, had a good time. And me, Cheryl, and the kids, and my oldest one's thirteen, and and uh, we were going to go uh, canoeing down the the Buffalo River, and so we go to the the little convenience store and get the whole the whole works everything. It's like a mess, but you you sign up and you sign your life away, and anything ever ever happens to you. You ever get cancer from the river 20 years down the road, you're, they're exalved and all this. And so anyway, so they, we, we go to get on this bus, and they got these guys working for them. Can I just be honest with you? Can I stereotype for a little while? They look rough. I'm talking about hillbillies. I'm not, they don't even show these on TV. These are like real hillbillies, okay? They got like a certification in their pocket. And so we go to get on this bus, and they were, they were great people, okay? I'm just stereotyping. They were great people. We, nothing was stolen. Nobody got hijacked. They didn't hold us up when we got out into the woods. But basically, you get on a bus with this guy that you don't know, and you take a drive out into the hills, to the creek. Now, some people say to the creek. And you go to the creek, and then he unloads all this stuff, and you're sitting here going, oh, Lord, are you with me? But when we go to get on the bus, my oldest one, she gets scared. So you know what she does? Right here. She hits me right here. And she goes, she grabs my arm, she goes, and she's like this. And everywhere I go, she's taking a step. I'm like, Virginia, what are you doing? Sweating. I mean, come on. She's like, she's not moving. What did she do? She drew near to me. She drew near to her daddy. Amen. She drew near to protection. She drew near to security. She drew near to hope that if this hillbilly goes haywire, my daddy, I'm next to my daddy. Are you with me? He pulls out a knife. He got to get to my daddy. Right? Listen, when they're sick and they wake up with dreams and all that in the middle of the night, yeah, they run to mama. Okay? They need tatan, they go see mama. But if they need protection, they come see daddy. Because they know, ain't nobody messing with my daddy. Right? At least that's the way it should be. Listen, if your kids get scared and they need protection, they run to their mom, you need to check yourself. <laughs> Can I get an amen, women? Then you learn a lot from your kids. But she drew near to me because her hope and her security was found in me. We need to have that same mindset that when temptation comes, I don't need to try and say, I'm going to handle this myself. Jesus, get to the side. I got this. You're going to fall flat on your face. Because why? Pride comes before the fall. You ain't strong enough to fight the devil by yourself. Amen? When temptation comes, you need to suck up clothes. Get closer. Here I am. Now come on. Then you can talk trash. Mm. Stupid devil. Like my pastor said, born to go on the bottom of a shrimp boat in Delcom. Y'all heard Pastor Bubba say it before, huh? Yeah. I love that. Draw near. Don't run. You know what's crazy, though, as a, as a pastor? You know what I see people doing in the church? When they're tempted in something, instead of running and getting closer to Jesus, they run from everybody else. And it seems like they run away from Jesus. 
You know what that is? That's falling into temptation. The further you get from Jesus means the more you're falling. Right? Man, you gotta, you got to have your mind. You need to be sharp. You need to be ready. The Bible says your adversary, the, I mean, your, your enemy, the devil, is constantly roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. If he's on his guard, you need to be on your guard. Amen? Number four, you need to know the word. Amen? You need to know the word. Listen, I'm not responsible for spoon feeding you the word of God. You are. As I would say, Jack. You responsible, Jack. Right? It's your responsibility to know the word of God. It's not my responsibility that you know the word of God. Amen? So what does that mean? That means you need to take responsibility for your own actions. As my wife would say, you need to put on your big girl panties and and get after it. Right, baby? You need to know the word of God. Listen to me, this is serious. My goal for this year, and the same as every year, is to get closer to God. It's to know his word more. Amen. We need to be students of the word of God. Right? We need to be students. You need to start somewhere. I don't care if you've got struggles. You need to man up and press through those struggles. Yeah, but when I read, Pastor, when I read Ecclesiastes, I can't understand. Or when I read Numbers, I get confused. Well, get out of Numbers. (laughs) Amen? Don't start on the hard ones. Start in the Gospels. If you're having problems, find somebody that knows the Word and ask them to help you. There's all kind of tools out there to help you get into the word, right? We have to know the word of God. Go with me to Matthew chapter 4. I want to show you Jesus. Aside of Jesus, because Jesus knew the word of God. In fact, the Bible says he is the word of God. Matthew chapter 4. You remember when Jesus went into the desert to be tempted? Remember that story or that event? Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. He was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Huh. I wonder if God had a plan for Jesus. I wonder if God wanted Jesus to know the temptations that every man that followed him would, would fall or, or, or be tempted with. Isn't it cool that you have a high priest, that your master, your leader, has been tempted in every way. He's not somebody that shows up with an education and says, hey, follow me. He can sympathize with where you are, sympathize with where you've been. He can sympathize with where you're going. That's just the first verse. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted. And you crying about your 21. And became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Watch what Jesus does. But Jesus told him, no, that's resistance. 
No. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Come on. We don't live by the things that we put into our flesh. We live by the word of God. Right? Jesus used the word of God to resist the devil. Isn't that good? Maybe we should do the same thing? I mean, dear goodness, if Jesus had to use the word of God to resist the devil, we definitely need to. Verse 5, then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will, they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. The devil starts quoting scripture. They have a little word battle, Right? You ever get around a religious person and have a word battle? The Bible says don't waste your time doing that. Jesus responded. The scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. He resisted him again. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. I guess Jesus had enough. He said, get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. Isn't that good? I said, isn't that good? Isn't that like the perfect example of what we should do? But it's funny, you can't resist the devil with the word of God if you don't have the word of God. Listen to me, you can't, you can't, you can't take this in the swimming pool. It's not waterproof. Right? You're hanging out in the public pool, swimming, and here comes Betty. You know what Betty I'm talking about? Betty with the improper dress code. Right? You, you can't keep this witch and go, oh, Lord, Betty's here. Oh, Lord. Lord, give me a word. Hurry. Hurry, Lord. Woo, Lord, please. Lord, come on, man. It's too late. Right? But if you got this down inside your spirit, come on. That's why you need to be more than just a reader of the word. You need to be a student of the word. You need to memorize scripture. That's important to memorize scripture. Right? The Bible, Jesus said that this is a sword. It's a sword. The word of God is a double-edged sword sharper than anything. If you ain't got it, you can't use it. Right? I'm afraid that there's a bunch of us in this church that are unequipped. They're unprepared. They're not ready. And I see them falling. And they keep falling. And they keep going on this vicious cycle. Vicious cycle. And I'm going, man, stop. But I can't run in and grab them and say, stop. I can't do that. You got to stop on your own. Amen? We got to be equipped. We got to be ready. You learning something yet? By knowing the word, we are able to identify temptation, resist the devil, and draw near to God by following his truth. Do you know that the word gives you wisdom? 
You know, the word gives you sight to see when the enemy is tempting you. Listen, some temptations are so small and insignificant that we don't even catch them. Come on, pride. I'll give you an example of pride. Pride and arrogance. The temptation of pride and arrogance doesn't always come out as you being boastful and proud and poking your chest out. Right? Sometimes it's just how you feel. You say, oh, well, I'm not walking in pride. Well, that's pride. Right? I don't have a pride issue. <laughs> really? Okay. I remember Pastor Bubba told me a story about a lady. He went into her house to, to witness, and she invited him in, and, and he sat down at the sofa, and he looked down at the coffee table, and there was her Bible holding up the coffee table. <laughs> Serious. And he went, man, what a sad picture. You trust it to hold up your coffee table, but you don't trust it to hold up your life. Come on. Listen, I remember when I went off to college, back in my crazy days, I kept the Bible in the back of the seat of my truck. Why? That was my protection. And evidently it worked. I mean, I don't know. I did some crazy stuff. and Anyway. I'm not saying that that was it, but I, I thought that way. If, man, if I just put this behind my seat, and it was a little pocket Bible, you know, and I was like, keep me safe. I trusted it to get me out of a wreck, but I didn't trust it to keep me from wrecking my life. Amen? We got to know the word. Listen to me. You got to know the word. How are you ever going to know when Jesus is talking to you? How are you ever going to identify the, 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 the lie from the truth. How are you ever going to be able to separate that if you don't know the truth? Amen? Amen. Number five, <clears throat> you need to look for the exit sign. You need to look for the exit sign. Watch this, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation has overcome you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Stop. He is faithful. You know what that means? That there's not a single temptation that he's going to allow to come after you that you don't have the ability to get out of. So that means that takes away every excuse when you fall into sin or you fall into temptation and then you blow it and you come and you say, but pastor, it was, it was too hard. No, it wasn't. Come on, seriously. When your kids come to you, but, but mom or dad, it was too hard. No, it wasn't. What do you mean? Well, the Bible says that he doesn't let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. So that means you're lying. That means you sinned again. <laughs> you might not want to keep stacking stuff on top because God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. Say escape. That you may be able to endure it. Come on. He provides a way out. There's always another door. There's always another option. Amen. There's always a way out. He's not going to let you be tempted by something that he knows knows you're going to fall in. 
That's too strong for you. Why would he do that? It doesn't make sense, right? He says he won't let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. So that means that every temptation that ever comes your way in your entire life, you can handle it. Look at your neighbor and say, you can handle it. Look at them and say, you too. So look for the exit sign. So let's review real quick. Number one, temptation is not sin. So when you're tempted, know that there's a way out. Know that this is an invitation to draw closer to God. And know that this is not sin. I haven't crossed the line. I haven't gone across into sin yet. So that means I can still get out. Right? Temptation is not sin. Sin is sin. Number two, resist the devil. Just put your hands. Oh, no, sucker. That's it. No. Just resist him. Some of us just need to try to resist more often. Number three, draw near to God. Draw Draw near to your source. Draw near to your strength. Draw near to your protection. You know, practice doesn't make perfect. I don't know if anybody ever told you that. Practice doesn't make anything perfect because there's nothing perfect. Right? But what practice does is practice makes permanence. Amen? So if you continue to practice resisting the devil, then you can live a life of permanently resisted against the devil. Are you getting me? Permanently victorious over sin. Amen? Listen, there's sins that I have overcome. But God made me fight them. God made me resist them. God didn't just come in and say, okay, you know, you're not going to struggle with that one no more. That would be nice, right? But he gave me everything I needed to resist those sins. And listen to me, they may not come every day. There's one particular sin that doesn't, come every, doesn't even come every month. It only comes around about once or twice a year. It tries to, it tries to catch me from the side. Sucker punch me. But you know what I do? No. I resist. Get behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Lord, clear my thoughts. Clear my mind. Help me. Sometimes I got to start singing. No, it's not good. It's good to start singing, but it don't sound good. Maybe that's why he leaves. (laughs) Hey, if it works, it works. Number four, know the word. Be a student of the word. Number five, look for the exit signs. And number six, and this is for all of us when we fall, when we fall completely into sin. Because listen to me, I'm not foolish enough to believe that I will never fall into sin again. Amen? Because if I believe that, I'm already falling into sin. Remember the pride thing? Yeah, okay. Number six says, rinse and repeat. Pretty simple, right? You'll remember that. Rinse and repeat. Some of you, some of you ladies, are, you're, you'll see that on your stain-busting chemicals. If it doesn't work the first time, rinse and repeat. 1 John chapter 1, verse 19. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's faithful. Are you hearing me? He's faithful. Now listen to me. I don't want to push his boundaries. I don't want to push his borders. There's this hyper grace thing going around right now that people start believing when you can live like a hellion all week long and get your life right on Sunday and you're going to be fine. 
I don't want to tempt Jesus. I don't want to push that. I don't want to arouse the jealousy of God. I don't want to go down that road, right? I'm going to keep resisting. I'm going to keep trying to live right. I'm going to keep on resisting sin and the devil and doing all these things. But when I do fall, I'm not going to stay down. Amen? Because it might be one thing for him to get you to fall, but it's another thing for him to keep you down. And that's the heartbreaking part of it all. Yes, it breaks my heart when we fall. It breaks my heart when I see people in our church fall. It breaks my heart. But it really breaks my heart when they stay down. Are you hearing me? When you stay in that place, the Bible says you don't have to stay. Right? I don't know why, but I'm going to share this story with you. I was at work one day, and it flooded, and the ditches were full, and we were getting ready to knock off, and me and a couple guys were wrestling. And I went to grab this guy and bear hug him. And he was standing right in front of a ditch that was full of water. Okay, you might not believe this story, but I'm telling you it was true. I went, to, I went to bear hug this guy, and when I did, he did like this, and I'm top heavy. So I kind of went over and, like, went too much over, and, 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 like, he came up, and he, like, hit me. And I flipped, and I landed in a ditch, okay? I got out so fast, I was just wet on the back. I'm serious. I couldn't believe it myself. Now, after a little while, the water started sucking up around the shirt, and you know, but it was like, and all them guys were like, dude, you got out the water fast. I was like, well, heck yeah, it was cold. I say all that to say that when you fall, you don't have to stay. Get up as quick as you can and let Jesus rinse you off. Amen. All you got to do is confess your sin. It doesn't matter where you are, who you're with, or what you're doing. When you fall, you get back up and you say, Lord Jesus, I blew it. I blew it. I fell into you. Fill in the blank. I fell, Lord. I fell. I did this. I'm sorry. Please help me. And you know what the Bible says? That he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. He knows how many times you're going to fall before you get it right. That's good news. That means you just got to keep getting it right. That's part of the practice is getting it right. Amen. You know, that's why you also need other people around you. Other believers that say, come on, champ, get up. Get up. You know why you need to have a pastor? You know why you need to be discipled and be making disciples? It's so that when you fall, number one, you've got people you can go to. People that see you fall, they say, come on, man, get up. Don't stay there. And then you can also be responsible for some other people that when they fall, you say, hey, I fell last week. Sometimes it happens like that. Sometimes I look at Cheryl and go, man, I blew it last week. She goes, phew, I blew it today. I'm glad you blew it last week. Made me feel better. You follow what I'm saying? We got to get it right. Amen. Temptation is not sin. It's an invitation. Jesus never said to go clean yourself. Let me give you this last thing. The battle of temptation is for freedom, not for salvation. Your salvation is done. Amen. When you give your life to Jesus, it's done. Just because you sin doesn't mean you lose your salvation. You lose your freedom. Amen? It's not a salvation issue. It's a freedom issue.
And we all want to be free, right? You ready, Andrew? Glad you're taking notes, man. Appreciate that. Made me feel good. Come on. Good-looking Asian guy up in the house. And loves Jesus. Stand up with me this morning, please. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're struggling with. Some of you, I know the road you've been down. Some of you, I don't. Listen, where you are right now is not where you have to be tomorrow. Where you are right now is not where you have to stay. Listen, if you're up and you're drawing near to God, man, praise God. Keep going. Get closer. I challenge you to get closer. But if you're struggling with something and you're, you've fallen into sin and the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you this morning, then right where you're standing today, I just want to, I want us to settle that issue with God today. Can we do that? Can we just settle it today? Maybe you need to confess sin. You need to repent. He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I love the way the Bible says all. It means all. So lift your hands to heaven. I just want to pray. And as I'm praying this morning, I just want you to deal with it. Can we just deal with it? Father, I come to you, Lord, and I thank you for this word. I thank you for showing us about temptation. Jesus, I thank you that you were led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. Just so, Lord, that you could be you could be common with us when it comes to temptation, that you could sympathize with us when it comes to temptation, that you, you know you've been there, you've done that. And Lord, you also now can provide the way out. In fact, Lord, you are the way out. Thank you, Jesus, that you went and were sinned. You, you, you were tempted to sin. You were tempted in all these areas, but you persevered and you went to the cross and you became our exit sign. You became our way out, our rock, our stronghold, our place of peace, our prince of peace. Jesus, thank you for this word this morning. Thank you that temptation is not sin, but it's an invitation. Lord, help us as a church. And Father, when the enemy comes in front of us and he throws those lures and he throws all those things that try to drag us away, thank you, Lord, that we can draw near to you. We can draw near to you. Thank you that you don't turn your back on us when we're tempted. In fact, Lord, I'm thankful that when we're tempted, we have an opportunity to grow. We have an opportunity to see you show up in a way that we've never seen before. We get to see another side of you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Help us to be quick, Lord. Help us to be a quick church quick group of people, Father, that when we're tempted and if we fall, Lord, we get right back up. Help us, Lord. Help us to get back up. Help us to resist. Help us to get into your word, Lord. Help us to get our weapons and to make them sharp. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity today. 
We bless your holy and your righteous name. We say that there's none greater than you, Jesus. No sin, no temptation, no nothing is greater than you, Jesus. No influence, no lure, no no trick, no fiery dart, no, no thing the enemy could ever throw at us or our flesh could want to rise up on itself is greater than you, God. So thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.